Good morning, everyone. It is truly a pleasure to see you out there. Um, we need each other on a regular basis. Uh, we, we, we need the encouragement that we get. And this is a hard time for some people. And so look around in this time when, for most of us, it's a very joyous time and usually a little bit more time spent with family. But not everybody has those, those things or those memories. So look around and find someone in your life that really needs the encouragement of Christ. This is the time. Um, hey, we got some, I don't know if we said this before. Maybe I did last time. We have a couple who are going to be celebrating, I think, in just a couple days, their 65th wedding anniversary. So, Grace and Dawn, would you mind standing up? I'm, I don't really want to embarrass you, but I will. Okay. <laughs> so, thank you very much. Um, what a testimony to perseverance, for crying out loud. I mean, I mean, Dawn, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I can find a woman who could put up with my shenanigans for 65 years. And we saw, that I saw a, a wedding photo Dawn, you won the marriage lotto. <laughs> it was really fun to have you. Um, I guess, well, we're going <clears> to <throat> have the kids up here soon. Um, does my nose look flat or my eye? Do I have any, like, scars in my face right now? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you ever read the Bible? And felt like you got a sledgehammer in the face. That was my experience this week, um, which you're going to hear about. Um, hopefully, it's, it's impactful for you. And I'm, I'm afraid, you know, and, and somebody said this to me. And maybe it's Bob. I think it's probably Bob. Bob, Bob Gillette. Um, we get to hear what, our, what God is preaching to our preacher. And that's true. Um, I go to Scripture, and then God preaches to me. He preached to me fairly sternly this week. I'm going to preach to you somewhat sternly as well. Lovingly, though. Hey, so we need the kids, and you're going to get an idea of what's all going on. And, and first of all, this is really incredible. Um, I am not going to... Um, I'm going to try my best to not do anything bad. All right, kids, how you doing? I, again, miss you on, on uh, our Wednesday get-together time, so I'm so glad we can do this on Sunday. Um, so why don't you scoot back just a little bit and then sit down. Yeah, you want a quick look? Yeah, what, what's, what's Pastor Tim got in store for us today? Yeah, we got all kinds of things in here in our little goodie box. There's a couple of little dudes. We're going to put our extra dude. This is in case one of our dudes didn't make it. Um, no, it's not medicine, but kind of looks like it, huh? We got all kinds of little goodies. So first of all, I got to ask you, do you guys know 
about a concept or a word called peace. I know. I'm okay. What do you know? You feel rested. You feel content and happy. You feel safe. You just feel like things are okay. How many of you feel like that sometimes? Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? It is nice. Peace is nice, isn't it? Be in our lives and feel like I'm, I'm safe and I'm loved and everything's going to be okay and it's quiet. Okay, but is it like that all the time? No, it's, that's kind of sad, isn't it? Oh, somebody got to the theology. He's telling me about why we don't have it. Adam and Eve did some bad stuff. <laughs> good job, Newell. Good job. That's true. They shattered our peace forever until God fixed it again, right? So. That's right. They, because of their sin, now because of sin, there are things in there that take our peace away. And we got to think about that. How do I keep in the peace side of things instead of the other side? So what happens when things don't go well in your life? Something breaks or you lose one of your favorite toys or your brother or your sister does something mean or somebody at school does something mean or you really wanted something to happen and it didn't happen. What kind of things do you feel then? I feel tense. Tense? Do you get angry sometimes? How about, do you get, do you worry about it? Do you worry about some bad things that might happen? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You want to act nicely. You want people to act nicely to you. Yeah. And when they don't and bad stuff happens, then how do we deal with it? And that's a big thing because if we want to have peace, a lot of it has to do with how we deal with things in our life that aren't good. So uh, this is an object lesson. And so these are the objects. This is actually Rice Krispies, but it's going to stand for something else. So I'm going to take one of our little dudes, and we're going to put these napkins on either end of him eventually. So here's what this little dude, he is filled up, he's going to be filled up with man thinking, people thinking. This is how we think on our own. Okay, so we got, we're going to put some, some man thinking in him. Oops. That's why I brought the tray so I wouldn't get it all over the table. Okay, so we got some man thinking going on. So this is us when we think on our own, when things go bad. Okay, things go bad, and so I'm worried, and I'm angry, and I'm frustrated when things go wrong. Do you think things will go wrong in your life? Like this? I mean, have you ever seen the anvil on the um, Roadrunner cartoon? Yeah. Bam! It gets him every time. Here's what I can guarantee you, and I know this is probably not good news. This is going to happen in your life at some point. Not that people are going to drop an anvil on you or wait, but stuff happens, and we want peace. We want that ah, feeling, right, as much as we can. But this, then stuff happens. But when we have man thinking, when we're full of man thinking, 
What do you think will happen when the bad stuff happens? You hear it? What happened to him? What happened to our dude? He died. Oh, man, he's all flat. Yeah. And all of his man thinking didn't help him, did it? He got crushed by the weight of all the things that happened bad in his life. Now, how about we take this guy and we fill him up with something besides man thinking? Okay. So what if we take this, which is what? And in this is the pure wisdom and gift of God's Word. Okay? Oh. Okay, so then what's this say? What's this say? Holy Spirit. So if we get the wisdom of God's Word put down of inside of us through the power of God's Holy Spirit. Oh, I gotta, once again, i got to watch myself to get not messy, right? I'm a messy guy. You guys know that. In fact, most of you could probably stand back so you don't get it on you. All right. All right. So this guy, instead of having man thinking, is he going to have the same bad stuff happen? Yes. But what will the result be? He's in pretty good shape. Look at that. He's still round. And he's still full, and he didn't get smashed. Well, what was crushing was he was sitting on top of some of the Rice Krispies. All right? He was sitting on top of some of the bad man thinking, and it it crackled a little bit. But he's in good shape. Why? Instead of being filled with man thinking, he was filled with God thinking. Because how we respond to bad things in our lives will determine whether we have peace or not. And God has a way of responding. And is it anger? And is it fear? And is it anxiety? No. We trust God, and so we can have peace even when bad stuff happens. Okay, that is the sermon today in kid form. All right? So what are we going to do? God thinking through the Bible, right? All right, downstairs for you. Right? Downstairs today? Yes. Okay. I don't come up with these things by accident. Um... Sometimes I think I, I target you guys more than I target them, and, and hopefully I'm not talking over their heads. But this one was, was really an interesting experience. Again, we're preaching through the book of Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, and I didn't plan when this would come up, and yet here it is, and you'll see in a, in a moment... Um, there are some promises in God's Word, and I take them seriously. How about you? Yeah. So when I got to this particular passage, I started out in verse... We're only, it's only three verses. And I started out in verse 16, and, and bam! 
the sledgehammer to the face. You'll see why in a moment. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way that I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oops. Did I do that? It'll come back in a moment. Okay, so, <clears throat> the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So, here's what it's saying. In verse 16, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. So uh, I, I looked up all the words because I'm thinking, well, what is this really saying? Um, this is very important to me and hopefully to all of us right now. And so I looked up all the Greek words, the whole thing, and, and here was my summary. May the supreme power of God, through Christ, bestow upon you peace, quietness, rest, security at every instant and in every aspect of your lives. And may God fully accompany you at all times as part of the family of God. May the supreme power God through Jesus Christ bestow upon you peace, quietness, rest, security at every instant and in every aspect of your life. Then he goes on to say, this is Paul, and this is my greeting. And he writes the greeting. In fact, let me remember, um, there were other letters being circulated around that were false letters, and so it was confusing some people. So he's going out of his way to say, hey, look, I wrote the greeting. Not the whole letter, but the greeting, or the end here too. I wrote this, and, and you can tell. And now a lot of people think Paul had some problems with his vision because of maybe he was stoned before. And so he, he wrote, and he says later, I, I write in this weird hand and this big letters and everything. And so he wanted them to know that this was actually him. And that's why he puts that in there. This is because there were other letters circulating around that were uh, supposed to be by Paul and weren't. Okay. And then he goes on to say, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The free gift of grace with joy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the supreme power and Messiah, be accompanying you at all times. Okay. It's only three verses, but I couldn't get past verse 16. Really? Peace at all times in every way? Really? Are you kidding me? Okay, so here you go. You're going to need to be brave for a moment. Okay, be brave for a moment. How many of you have ever experienced peace in your life? How many of you have it quite a bit? How many of you have it most of the time? How many of you have it all the time? There are no hands up. There is a peace problem. 
Well, okay. Now, this is Paul, verse 16. He's praying. He's, this is a prayer, actually. He's praying for them. Will God, may God, may God, the Lord of peace himself, give you peace at all times in, in every aspect of your life. Is God a liar? So, so I looked it up and I thought, well, what's he actually saying here? Is he saying that God guarantees to give you, hand to just hand it over to you at every time, in every aspect of your life, every day? I'm not feeling it. How about you? No. Okay. So, so is, it a, is it a promise um, you know, there, God says other things about, like, he wants to, in fact, it says, you are predestined, this is the, those of you that are followers of Christ, you are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So, so that's this sanctification process. This is another one of those things where I know it's God's will, I know he has the power to do it, I know it's, it, it's, it's promised, to, I am going to do it, I'm going to transform you into the power, into the image of Christ, I have the power to do that. Now, I also have the power to give you peace every day, in every way, all the time. In the same way that there are things that I need to do for God, to get out of God's way so that he can transform me, there are things we need to do so that God can make available to, or does make available to us, but we take advantage of the peace that's out there. We're going we're gonna to look at this. And part of the, a big part of this sermon is, is, is what we saw just a moment ago with the kids. Does God make peace available at all times? Yes, he does. Okay. What is it then that we need to do to experience this peace. Okay, we're going to see this. We're going to see this in here. Now, I might say, so here, here my experience. Um, sometimes I wonder if I'm a little too vulnerable and honest with you. But I have this, I have an issue with this experiencing peace in my life. And it's very easy for me to see that there have been a series of very difficult experiences in my life. And I look around into a world out there right now that seems to be utter, utter chaos and evil and anti-Christian. And it doesn't seem to be getting better. It seems like it's getting worse. And maybe it's just because we see everything that's happening now on the, the Internet and social media. Everything that's bad, we now know about right, almost immediately. And that didn't used to be the case. But, but now it seems, so it seems, I don't know if it's, it's actually worse, but, but it seems like it's worse, and it seems like it's getting worse all the time. And it seems like that it's just chaos. And God, how can you expect me to have peace 
in the midst of this enormously chaotic and painful life that we're living right now. And we have the inclination to say to ourselves, or maybe to others, God, if you could just solve this one, I'll feel okay. If you could just keep me from having this problem, I'll be okay. God, if you can just take this trial away from me, I can feel the peace that you want. God, if you just don't let this thing happen, I'll quit worrying about it. Just guarantee me it's not going to happen, and I'll quit having anxiety because that anxiety is robbing my peace away from me. If you just change my circumstances, God, then I can have this peace you keep talking about. When, you, when the angel said, and, and, and today in the city of David was born a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and is peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then Jesus comes and he says all kinds, always telling them, and my peace I leave with you, and in the peace that I give you, and I am the Prince of Peace. Seems to be a pretty big deal. But is lack, well, we're going to talk about it. What, I think this is the next one. What is peace? What is peace? So how many of you would say, and I'm not going to pull, you don't have to actually raise your hand. It's lack of conflict. That's one of the definitions. Lack of conflict. Is that true? No. It's not not biblical peace. Biblical peace, in fact, we, we look here and we say, God promises both peace and conflict. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble or tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So is God, I mean, that looks to me like that's a promise. In this world you will have trouble. In this world, I came so that you can have peace. So it's not lack of conflict at all, is it? In fact, peace, I think, is lack or the removal of sin and its consequences. And Noel reminded us right there, the problem. See, peace is not something we strive for. Peace is not this thing that we think we can get and hang on to for a little bit. Peace is what happens when all the bad is gone. It's just the environment you were created into originally. God created everything. It was perfect. And because of that, peace was just there. It was just there. Okay, and then sin comes, and and, and all the things that are broken cause the issues that rob us of the peace that God intended. So we're on this journey. I'm going to share this with you right now. We're on this journey after I am... After I am saved, as a human being, and here's what it looks like. I'm reconciled to God. I'm transformed by God. I die. I'm resurrected by God and given a new body. And I'm placed in this place where God has completely redone everything. And he's eliminated all those things, the devil and those that aren't. His, and he's taking them clear away, and now I'm living in this perfect utopian place called heaven with God, and I have unbelievably perfect peace. 
And God guarantees that. And so I know that that's true. And so I know that peace, peace is, is, is a really important thing. It is almost the goal. You could say, that is where I'm going to end up. Now, if I asked you, what do you want? What, what, the, what do you want? If I could give you anything that you wanted, you might say, well, okay, I, I, you know, what's the most important thing? Well, it's being reconciled to God so that I know what I'm going to do for my eternity. I say, yeah, that's true. And, uh, and I, or I want to be transformed into the image of Christ so that I can be more like Jesus while I'm here. And that's a good one, too. And then I want to spend eternity in heaven. That's a good one, too. But the end result of all of those things is that you're going to experience unlimited peace. So God comes and he says, you know, that's what all the things that get you to unlimited peace. When I take everything negative away, you're going to live in peace forever. But there are aspects of peace you can have now. I want some of that. We've all, we, we, everybody, I think everybody raised their hand. You've experienced peace at least sometime in your life. Yeah. Biblical peace, <clears throat> not lack of conflict. A positive inner sense of contentment, security, quietness, confidence, rest, irrespective of outside circumstances. That's biblical peace. <clears throat> so why don't I have it? It's there. It's there in a, in, a, in a bunch of different ways. It's there. And there are these things in my life, both externally and internally, that are robbing me of it. So, oops. Okay. Okay. Five destroyers of peace. These are the five external destroyers of peace. These things you've all heard of before. So this is the world we live in. Okay, we're, 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 God has said, I'm putting you in this world, and I know all of these things are true. And I know that they are difficult for you, that they are going to affect your ability to have peace. And let's take a look. Conflict with God. I have a conflict with God. When I was born, I was at war with God. I'm never going to win. And it's going to be impossible for me to find the biblical version of peace. I'm never going to have it. All the things that are necessary for me to have <clears throat> to find that kind of peace are never going to be available because I'm in a conflict with God. I'm in a conflict with my own sin nature. We're going to see that. I know that inside me, even as a Christian, there are things in there that are causing conflict within me. Paul writes about it. We're going to read some of it. <clears throat> This problem that's inside of me because I have this new heart and new mind, but I still have this old sinful nature, and the two are battling together all the time, and it's causing an inner conflict within me, and it robs me of peace. Conflict with others. <clears throat> Interesting, I was out on the road this, this week a little bit, <clears throat> and <clears throat> I'm, I'm with another guy, thankfully, because we both saw the same thing. And we're sitting at a stoplight in a very busy intersection, and there are three lanes coming at us this way. Actually, two, two through lanes and a turn lane. And there's a, there's a guy in a, in a Toyota Prius sitting in the front on, on the one lane. And there's a big Dodge Ram truck sitting behind him. And I don't know what happened before this, but the Dodge Ram truck pulls out into the turn lane and sits there. And as soon as the light turns green, 
the Toyota Prius comes and the Dodge Ram rams him. And then continues to ram him. Bam, 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 bam. And backs up and rams him again. And then off they go. So, so, so we know we have this problem inside of us, right? I mean, these things are going on, and we have conflict with others. I mean, there was something that happened that triggered this guy, and my reaction is going to be, I am in conflict. And the guy in the Prius was pretty much in conflict, too, only he was on the bad end of it. We're seeing what's going on over in the Middle East. We are in conflict with our other human beings. And that robs us of peace at times. We're in conflict with the broken world. Um, You see it all the time, different things. I mean, at the beginning, everything was perfect, and they just could reach up and pluck off the things they wanted, and now there's weeds and thorns. And I mean, if you had anything, if you've ever built anything like out where I lived, and you you build something in in about, I don't know, very short time, nature wants it back. And it starts deteriorating, and weeds grow up over it, and then blackberry bushes, and then other stuff, and pretty soon it's gone. And then there's floods and tornadoes and you name it. All of the things. Nature is broken, and it causes problems for us. I mean, rain's a problem for me. And it it can rob us of our peace. And then we're in conflict with the devil. So, so you've seen these, right? What, what, are my, what are my opponents out there? Well, it's, it's the flesh, the world, the devil. Um, but first it was God. First it was God. That was my biggest problem was I was at war with God. And I'm at war with myself. Okay, so these things can be problems. And so, okay, God, you're expecting me or you're promising me peace at all times in every aspect of my life. I want that. And then I look at these and I think, how many of these are still problems for me? And are they causing me not to have peace? So, did we have a resolution with our conflict with God? It says so in Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, do we have a resolution in our conflict with God? Yes, we do. You do. You, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior by faith, you are no longer at war with God, and the door to peace is opening to you. But without that, forget it. So that was really, that's that's the most important one, right? I got to get rid of that conflict that I have in my war with God if I'm going to find peace in this life. Okay, what about the next one? How about a partial resolution of conflict within our own flesh? There's a war going on inside you. The old you and the new you are fighting all the time. And it causes problems. We're just going to read it right here, right out of Romans chapter 7, verses 18 through 21. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. Does that sound like you? <laughs> Sounds like me. For I, don't want to do, for I do not do the good I want, but instead the evil I don't want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin or flesh that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, Evil lies close at hand. 
Okay, so this is this thing. This is Paul, super Christian Paul, telling people, I am still battling within myself. This war is going on for the new self and the old self. And when I'm sinning, and I'm still sinning, it's the sin and the flesh that lives within me. So we are only partially resolved in that conflict. So it's going to keep going. And then it tells us kind of a, the resolution here, a partial resolution. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the Spirit, boy, guess what that is? Life and peace. Okay, so God knows I have this conflict going on inside me that's robbing me of peace. And he said, but here is the answer. And the answer is, don't live by the flesh, but live by the Spirit. Now, I've given you a spirit. Oh, and guess what came with him? Love, joy, <clears throat> peace. Do um, you think he has any shortage? No. So the Holy Spirit lives in you. What he brings with him is an unlimited supply of peace. And all those other things, too. Thankful for you. All those things are the things. Now, we're going to, if we had time, which we don't, we go through this and see how important all these things are for you in order to respond. So here's, here's what I'm trying to get to. We're going to get to this pretty soon. Biblical peace is not dependent on our circumstances, but rather on our et- internal responses to them. How can God promise me peace within the midst of massive conflict in my life? Some of it internal, most of it external, but some of it inside me. What's the key? How many of you would like to have more peace in your life than you have now? Okay. How many of you pray consistently that God will just take away the problems? That's right. That's what we do. Many times we sit around and we just ask God, and that's a good thing. God says, we, I want you to hear your problems, but, but maybe we're doing it wrong. If we really want peace in our life, maybe we're doing it wrong. Instead of maybe always praying for God, just relieve this and take this away from this person and take this out of my life, maybe we should be praying about our responses to it. If I really want peace, see, here's what I know. You know, I look back and I, I look at it and, and, and I'm thinking, well, we'll get there. I'm thinking, why do I have so many of these things? Destroyers of internal peace. These are the, these are the problem. This is your real problem. The other five that I listed, other than, the, other than you know, God being an enemy of yours is, is, is going to keep you from ever having any peace, but, but once that's been resolved, and then I'm still fighting this fight inside myself, <clears throat> the problem now is not the world around you. It's you. I can guarantee you that your life is going to be hard at some point. And for some, some of you, some of us, it's hard a lot. And yet God loves us enough. He said, I want you to have the abundant life. And one of the aspects of having the abundant life is to find peace. And I know your life stinks. I know it. And in fact, I'm promising that it's going to. In this world, you will have trouble. Because when everything got broken, four out of the five are still fighting against you, Tim. And you're the biggest culprit sometimes, Tim. And so in order for me to find peace, i got to quit thinking that I need God to fix all the circumstances 
and recognize that what I really need is for God to fix me and my responses to trial. Because here's what they look like. Anxiety. Even when it doesn't happen, I'm afraid it's going to happen. I I have this conversation, folks, and, and I'm not proud of this. I have a hard time experiencing peace and joy because my first thought is, I'm going to pay for that. If something good happens, it's like, okay, I'm going to pay for that. I know I'm going to pay for that. And I'm anxious about what's next bad is going to happen in my life. Because there's been a pretty constant string of it. And some really, really bad ones. Fear. I talked about this yesterday morning in men's breakfast. This fear. Now, now John talked about it. And, you know, there's, a, there's an emotional response, fight or flight, that God gave us as a protective mechanism to say, hey, when you sense, sense danger, you need to, sometimes fear will, will uh, engage your adrenaline, and, and you need to be afraid of, you know, if a rock is coming and falling out of the sky on top of your head, you need to be afraid of that and move. Okay, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this fear that I am, that, that there's nobody in control, or that whatever is going to happen is going to be too much for me, or, or, or that, that, that life is just always bad. And that is a reaction that we have in our thoughts and emotions when we go through life and we get knocked down again and again and again and again, and then we start to fear that this is not a safe place. Anger. The dude in the Dodge Ram was clearly angry. Now, I don't know exactly what happened. Maybe the guy in front of him brake-checked him earlier on down the road or something. I don't know what happened. But this was like, oh, my goodness, you guys are mad. (laughs) I mean, this guy's really mad. Not only did he hit you, but he came back and hit you five times, literally five times. And so we go through the hard parts of life. Is is that how we respond? Are we going to respond in anger? Because I'm guaranteeing you anger is going to rob your peace. Frustration. Number one. This is number one for me. I have them all. This is number one. Why? Why? Because your expectations are wrong. C.S. Lewis said, imagine these two things. You're going into a building, and as you walk in, the guy says, hey, you you have a place here. It's the honeymoon suite. You're going to have everything. It's going to be lavishly decorated, champagne, everything you want. And you walk in, and it looks like a Motel 6. And you're really bummed and angry and frustrated that you didn't get what you wanted. And then the next day, you walk into the same building, and the guy says, okay, uh, we're sending you to jail. And he takes you to the same exact room, and it's got a bed and a refrigerator and a toilet and a nice, nice comfy pillow. And you're thinking, hey, this is pretty good. In one, in one instance, you're expecting something really great, and you didn't get it, and you're mad, and you're frustrated, and you're angry, and you're anxious. And the other time, you got the exact same thing, and you're elated because it's way better than you thought. If you're expecting life to be easy, or that God, I'm a Christian now, I'm expecting that this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is not going to happen, and this is not going to happen, and this is not, nobody around me is going to die that I love. And they do. And when your expectation is outside of what God is promising, you're going to be angry, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be 
afraid. And you're going to worry about it. And striving. Striving to always have something more that God is not ready to give you. And we see it in the world all the time. But we see it even as, as Christians striving, striving, striving. So even, even I just want to be as good a Christian as the other guy. Here's a guy. and he, Why can't I have his spirituality, God? Why can't I have his knowledge of Scripture? Why can't I be a better Christian like that guy? And I'm all bummed out and I'm all angry with myself and frustrated with my lack of progress. And I am not taking advantage of the peace that God intends me to have. Destroyers of internal peace. And the problem is not in our circumstances. The problem is we are thinking man-wise. It's wrong thinking. It is wrong thinking. How do I view myself? How do I view my world? How do I view God? Am I looking at it the way the Bible says, or am I expecting something else? And when we expect something else, you're going to be anxious, you're going to be afraid, you're going to be angry, you're going to be frustrated, and you're going to be striving for more than God is giving you at the time. You will not have peace. Oh, guilt too. Forgot that one. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a a resource for that. But you know what it is? Confess your sins to God. Take your guilt to God, and He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And selfishness. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a little analogy in seven things to remember. And the reason I'm doing this is because maybe it's a little easier to relate. Maybe. <clears throat> I told you about the journey that you're on. Let's just say it's this. <clears throat> God says, Tim, I'm going to make you an artistic genius greater than Michelangelo. I like art. And I say, God, well, that's great. Um, I, there's one problem. I don't have any talent. <laughs> no, no, no. So, nope, here's the deal. I am going to make you an artistic genius greater than any artist that's ever lived. Okay. But, I need you to remember these seven things. This is God talking to me. Okay. You're going to see the relationship pretty easily. One, God says, I'm in complete control of all things, and I love you deeply. And I want what I know is best for you in the end. So as you're going on your journey to become an art, the greatest artistic genius in the history of mankind, I need you to remember that. I am in complete control of the entire process. But I love you. And I love you deeply. And I love you enough that I will give you what I know is best for you in the end. Hmm. How is that going to affect the process? Well, we'll see. This is definitely and absolutely going to happen. I guarantee it. I am going to make you an artistic genius. 
You can take it to the bank. I am in control and nothing is going to stop me. Okay, I'll remember that, God. Now, three, you will encounter some obstacles along the way of the journey, and some will be very severe. Some will come from the outside, others will come from within you. It will be a difficult journey. Hmm, okay. Now, your intuitive and initial reaction to these obstacles is going to be to try to correct them on your own, rebel against them, try to control the circumstances, or avoid or deny them. This is going to result in anger, resentment, fear, and anxiety, and frustration if you attempt to do that, so don't. I'm going to supernaturally intervene in this process to make available to you what you need to sustain you, and sometimes I will protect you, but I will also use these obstacles to help you grow and complete you as an artistic genius. I will work in you and through you to help you react and think appropriately if you relinquish control of your mind to me. I need you to keep the end result of this process at the forefront of your minds at all time, and this will be essential in order for you to endure the hardships you will incur while going through the process. In the end, I'm in complete control I control the process and the outcomes. I love you, and I guarantee that I will finish the job with you. So obviously God isn't going to make me an artistic genius, but he is going to make me into the best Tim Henley that I could ever be. He's going to correct everything about me. He's going to put me in a place where there's no pain, no tears, no sorrow, no frustration, no anger, no anxiety. And I have to keep my eyes on that prize. But the reason I give you these seven points is we need to be thinking correctly about this life. Every one of those seven points is true. Every one of them includes some sort of a promise of God that this is going to be hard, but I'm going to finish it in you. And yes, there will be obstacles along the way, but if you don't think correctly about those obstacles, that you are going to be robbed of the peace I am intending you to have while you're here. It's all about thinking correctly. We're going to have a... I'm going to do a seven-week... Well, and I shouldn't say seven weeks. I never know how long it's going to take. Um, Seven-part series of sermons about the biblical worldview... How do I view myself? How do I view God? How do I view my world? On down to all seven things. And it's going to be, let's see if our thinking is correct. Do I approach life the way God intends me to see it? This is one of those things. I looked at this verse. And I was devastated by the amount of time that I've lived my life outside of peace when it was right there. Because frankly, I just looked at life as another bad thing that's probably going to happen soon. The solution. Remember the seven things. Submit to the Holy Spirit's power, like it said there in Romans, and live within the Holy Spirit. If you want to... 
blank out the voice that's inside you, that fleshly voice that's trying to get you to do what is not right and is going to create an internal conflict. We need to absolutely surrender our lives to God's Holy Spirit. Easier said than done. But that's where we start. You know, I, I know you guys probably are sick of it. You've got to go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm going to have to lay my life, my flesh, at the foot of the cross and die to myself and then be conformed by transform, I mean, transformed by the renewing of my mind, by thinking God thoughts instead of man thoughts about my life so that I can have peace by not getting angry and anxious about all the bad stuff that happens. Submit and live in the Holy Spirit's power. Who has in you all the peace you need? And then Philippians 4, 4 through 7. This is a very interesting passage, and I'm going to end with this. Um, Here's the deal. We all want number seven bad. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it's going to guard my heart and mind, all my thoughts and feelings that are wrong. And I'm going to experience a peace that passes understanding. How? Well, you've got to go back to verses 4 through 6. And none of these, take a look, none of these are external. You want number 7. You have to fix all the things that are inside you, or God has to fix them. You have to allow God to fix them. Because all these things are internal. Rejoice, again, I say always rejoice. What does that take? It takes the perspective that says, I see myself and my life as God sees it. Yes, it's hard now, but the place I'm going is so wonderful that that it's going to sustain me when the things are bad, and I've got my Christian family around me to help me when things are bad, and I can bring these things to you in prayer. You're saying here in verse 6, I just got to bring them to you. Right. I can be joyful. Uh, Consider it pure joy, Tim, when you encounter trials of various kinds, for the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance is going to finish its work and create within you perfection. Rejoice. In trial. Because I know what God is doing. He didn't keep it a secret from me. I am going to change you. And it's going to hurt. But it's good. Because you're going to be better. You're going to be your best you when I get done with you. Let your reasonableness. And this is actually saying, um, your reasonableness. Patient moderation. Oh, be seen by all. Uh, maybe some of you think that, but I got a wife that can tell you different. I'm not always reasonable and patient. How do I do that? It has nothing to do with what's going on outside of my life. It has nothing to do with my circumstances. It has everything to do with do I trust God? Do I trust God? Really, trust God? That all this stuff, he's working together for my good And that he's there, he's at hand, he's right there, he's never going to leave me, never going to forsake me. And don't be anxious for anything. Don't be anxious for anything. 
Once again, this is inside. It doesn't mean there's no reason for anxiety. It doesn't say, and I will take all the reasons for anxiety away. It just says, chill out, Tim, I got this. I don't really, it doesn't seem like it hurts. Yeah, that, no. I told you that was going to happen. But remember what it's doing in you? Remember that good thing I'm doing in you? And remember where you're going at the end? And can you ride out a little bit of, of, of hardship now, knowing where the final destination is going? Do you, you see it? Can you see it? Keep your minds on things above, Tim. Things down here don't look so good. Mostly it's, you know, high waves, crashing waves, and problems. Don't look there. Look up here. I got your back. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving meaning what? I'm already going to thank you ahead of time for what you're going to do because I trust you. I try to do that every once in a while. You know, say, okay, I'm going to thank you right now, God, for answering the prayer. And I don't know what the answer is going to be. Might be yes, might be no, might be wait. I don't know. But I'm going to thank you for it anyway because I trust you. So, by prayer and supplication, make your request be known to God. So, I want to get to seven. In fact, I want to get to seven as soon as possible, right? But if I don't take care of the internal stuff, I'm going to be stuck in somewhere between four and six. One of the things I'm thinking about is, okay, make your request to God. <clears throat> I mean, this is going to be guilty as charged. How many of those are... are God take away the problems. What are we going to bring to God? I'm not, I, I'm not saying that's bad, right? I'm not, in fact, we saw Paul earlier on say, hey, I'm praying that God will keep you from evil people and keep you from the evil one, Satan. He, he, he said that. He prayed that for the... So it's, it's, it's okay to pray, God, I, I, I would like a minimal amount of, of trials. Or I, can, you, can you relieve this one? Or can you deliver me from this? Okay, but... If we truly want peace, and the problem with not having peace is not circumstances that are happening, but it's in here, maybe the requests I should be making to God are, God, I don't like the trial, but could you give me the right response inside to it so that I can still have peace? When we pray for someone else instead of, hey, I'm praying that this, this ailment of yours will go away, but what I'm really praying is, during the ailment, you'll find peace. Because you won't get angry, you won't get anxious, you won't get, you, won't get, you won't get mad, you won't get confused. You won't have all those other feelings that are robbing of your peace. That God will help you respond in His way, using His thinking, so that during the trial, you can still have joy and peace. Are we lifting up those things in prayer and supplication to God? Or just God, just take it away, and I'm sure everything will be happy, I'll be happy then. Everything will be good. Just take away all the problems. What do you got? That's a frustrating prayer because I'm going to guarantee you at times he's going to say no. But I don't think he's ever going to say no when you ask him to just, help, Lord, help me respond the way you would to the trial. Because I would really like some of that peace because I know the peace is a really good thing and I know that it's available even in the height of the trial if I will just think your way. problem is not with a broken world. The problem's with us. 
until we start thinking about our lives the way God thinks about it, we're going to be very frustrated and we are going to lack the peace that is available to us. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, meaning it is so unbelievable. Like, people are going to look at you and say, what the world do you have to be thankful for? Why are you happy? Why are you so at ease? Your life is a mess. I know, it doesn't make any sense, does it? But God's in there guarding my heart, my thoughts, and my, and my emotions. And so I can have peace when it makes no sense at all. I wish I had that mindset a lot more in my past. I'm trying to have it more moving forward. Hopefully you will too. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, life is hard. You know that. And you know that we struggle trying to think about it the right way. So, Lord, I would just pray that your Holy Spirit does that work in all of us. So you continue to work or start to work in some cases maybe that we would see the world the way you see it. That we would take advantage of the promises but not expect things you didn't promise that then cause us to be angry and frustrated. And it is putting the wisdom of your word down deep inside where it changes us. I'm going to thank you in advance for how you've worked in my own life, Lord, to show me how much I needed to change in this area. And I pray that you and thank you for what you're going to do in the lives of all those who might hear this. And we thank you and praise you for loving us enough to both give us trials, but also give us peace at the same time. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.